everyone, welcome to Antibodies. This is our 28th episode in the Immunology 101 series, a segment where we teach immunology. Joining me today is my co-host, Ash Gardner. How are you doing, Ash? I'm doing fantastic. It's the holiday season. Everything is all cinnamon spice and everything nice and, you know. I'm going to say something very controversial. I've never been Uh a fan of cinnamon. Ugh. Yeah. That just... seems like so something you would say. Yeah, no, I've I've never been a fan of cinnamon. I don't know, it's just the smell and the taste. <laughs> the smell and the taste. <laughs> just that, nothing else. What a curmudgeon. Yeah, well, that's me, just not into cinnamon. Uh, and I, I realized a lot of things are infused with cinnamon around this time of the year. Yeah, it's amazing. I Last night, I had cinnamon sugar toast. Oh, no, I cannot even imagine. Let's change topics. <laughs> okay, you want me to review last week's episode? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, what did we learn in last week's episode? All right, so last week we went over how cytotoxic T lymphocytes or CTLs can infect or can kill infected target cells through their the release of perforin granzyme as well as uh, a fast fast ligand mediated cell death, both of which work by inducing apoptosis through caspase systems. Granzymes, perforin, and fast ligand are kept within the cytotoxic T lymphocytes granules and are only released or exposed when the cell becomes activated against a target cell. And that's that's really, I mean, the episode was longer, but that's essentially what we learned, like the key takeaways, I think. Yeah, and well, we've got some more cytotoxic lymphocyte stuff pending. But before that, uh, Ash, you got anything interesting today? I have a joke today. Oh, oh looks like we're in the mood of losing some audience. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what does the helper T cell say to the cytotoxic T cell when it's doing a good job? What? You're killing it. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this, funny. This is, okay, this one is genuinely funny, which makes it feel like, do we even keep it in the episode? Because <laughs> we're not... we're supposed to be like mediocre Yeah, we are, yeah, it's only mediocre jokes. This one's too good to be here. Well, I may- came up with this on the fly. Like, <laughs> we, We'll probably keep it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay, well, if we're going to keep talking about cytotoxic T cells and how they kill it... <laughs> uh, I would first like to say that, remember that time that we talked about B-cells for five episodes straight and we felt like we needed a break from from B-cells? Oh, yeah, yeah, I I clearly remember that feeling. So I am starting to feel the same way for cytotoxic T-cells? Yeah, uh, me too. And fortunately, we only have a few closing points before we are done with this cell type. For a while until we get back later into the application part. Yeah. 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 So hang on a little more. We're almost there. Perfect. So so is there only going to be a part of this episode that's about it? Uh, Well, yeah, there's a part of it about CTLs and then we are going to delve into a new cell type. Uh, Oh, that's exciting. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Well, thank you for that outline. Um, Now I would love to learn what the last few points are about cytotoxic T cells. Well, Ash, did you know that just like helper T-cells, cytotoxic T-cells can also differentiate into distinct subsets? 
Mm, intuitively, yes. I guess I thought that would be the case. Well, then let me introduce you to the two subsets of cytotoxic T cells, the TC1 and the TC2 subtypes. These somewhat resemble the T helper 1 and T helper 2 the subtypes that we have seen with the helper T cells in terms of their development path and the cytokines that they secrete and yeah, they secrete. So cytotoxic T lymphocytes, or we're going to say CTLs for the rest of it because nobody got time to say cytotoxic T lymphocytes. <laughs> These generally lean towards becoming TC1, which can secrete tons of interferon gamma and very little bit of interleukin-4. However, if the CTLs find a lot of interleukin-4 in their microenvironment, they will develop into TC2 cells, which then in turn again secrete more of IL-4, and then they will secrete IL-5 as well. Just something to remember is that they do not secrete a lot of interferon gamma. So that's your TC1 and TC2 cells. Oh, okay, so it really is a lot like the T help T helper cell subsets. Are, they, are yeah. these two subsets equally good at killing the target cells? Uh, they are both good at killing, but there is a catch. Uh, TC1 cells utilize both the perforin granzyme and the FASL mediated killing strategies, while TC2 cells can only utilize the perforin granzyme for killing. Unfortunately, we don't know too much about the unique role of these subsets play as of now, and we know very little bit about how disease-specific roles are, so yeah, for now we can just speculate. Oh, so this is like current trends of research in this field. Yeah, it is. As current as, well, today, 2023 at least, when we are recording this episode. We, <laughs> one of the last days of 2023. One of the last days of 2023, yeah. <laughs> so if we are caught up then to current events in the realm of CTLs, uh, we must have reached the end of the cytotoxic T-cell discussion. You are right, unless we are going to get into the territory where we just speculate without evidence, which, uh, <laughs> well, we're not, not very scientific. Also, because uh, none of us work on cytotoxic T-cells. <laughs> so right, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right, so yeah, this is where we say goodbye to cytotoxic lymphocytes, and we say hello to the next component of the cellular immunity, uh, which is, well, it's close to cytotoxic T-cells in the way that they do their work, the natural killer cells. Oh, okay, close. So close to cytotoxic T-lymphocytes. So what, what's with these natural killer cells? Natural killer cells, or NK cells, as we will call them from now on, are a part of the innate immune system. Well, they're sort of the innate immune system's counterpart to the cytotoxic lymphocytes. So cytotoxic lymphocytes, what they do in the adaptive, that's what NK cells do in the innate. They have about the same weapons as the cytotoxic T lymphocytes, but they use different receptors. And for the most part, the NK cells are not antigen specific. The whole point of NK cell function is to scale throughout the tissues and identify cells that are non-self. So yeah, they're going to be wandering around and they will have some ways of identifying cells that are not self cells, which could mean uh, these could be foreign cells, tumorogenic cells, things like that. Uh, natural killer cells also kill cells that show indications of cellular stress from infection or cell damage. They will kill target cells very similarly to CTLs, that is through perforin, granzyme, and fast ligand. Okay. Uh... 
where do they come from? NK cells differentiate from the common lymphoid progenitor cells in the bone marrow. So just a quick reminder, we have the hematopoietic stem cell at the top, which gives rise to a common lymphoid progenitor or a common myeloid progenitor. From the common lymphoid progenitor, everything like T cells, B cells, and innate lymphoid cells appear. So yeah, NK cells is from that lineage of the common lymphoid progenitor. Uh, and funny story, NK cells were discovered accidentally. As most of the best science is. Yeah, when researchers uh, isolated lymphocytes to study their ability to kill off tumor cells in an antigen-specific manner, they found that some of these lymphocytes could just indiscriminately kill tumors without having any previous exposure to their antigens. Later studies characterized that these indiscriminate killers are, were neither B cells nor T cells because they were not specific to any antigen. They were eventually named natural killer cells due to their ability to kill tumors naturally, perhaps even intuitively. Approximately what proportion of lymphocytes are NK cells? Um, let's say about 5 to 10% of the circulating lymphocytes are natural killer cells, which is, which is a pretty good number. Uh, if you are a yeah. stickler for classification, you should know that natural killer cells fall under this subclassification of, of uh, lymphoid cells called innate lymphoid cells or abbreviated as ILCs. There are many types of ILCs a detail that we will definitely visit sometime in future. It clearly deserves its own episode. But for now, just know that within the uh, lymphoid, uh, from the common lymphoid progenitor, we get a bunch of cells called ILCs. Uh, and one of these ILCs is the natural killer cell. Wait, weren't innate lymphoid cells voted the most hated immune cell on our Twitter? Yes, they get a lot of hate, and uh, I have all my condolences towards the innate lymphoid cells. <laughs> I wonder if it's just because they were, you said they that people thought, like, didn't discover them and discovered them accidentally later on. I wonder if it's just, you know, an added uh, confusion to to what people understood. Well, so, you know, they're just, mis they're just misunderstood. They're misunderstood, and then haters gonna hate what you're gonna do. Haters gonna hate. Well, well, moving on. I feel like you're gonna now explain to me how important these NK cells are by telling me what happens when they're not present. Well, yeah, that, that is something I do. <laughs> so <laughs> let me begin here. Uh, let's talk about this case of a young woman. We're gonna talk about this case where there are no natural killer cells and see how, uh, what, what, gonna have, what kind of symptoms or what kind of uh, disorders we see. So this young woman had a disorder that caused the complete absence of natural killer cells. Despite having normal T and B cell counts, this woman acquired a severe case of chickenpox caused by the varicella zoster virus, uh, in addition to a life-threatening cytomegalovirus infection. This case helps us understand that natural killer cells are critical first-line defense against infections with intracellular pathogens like the ones I named uh, here. Okay, so we also established before that CTLs are required for controlling intracellular infections, right? So it makes sense that you said NK cells are like, it sounds like the innate counterpart to CTLs. So 
if CTLs and NK cells are both doing the same thing, how do NK cells like uniquely contribute? Uh, yeah, that is a good question. And it, it would appear that they are redundant, but the nuance here is in the timing of their activity. Natural killer cells get activated quickly during an infection uh, through innate immune cytokines such as type 1 interferons. Uh, because cytotoxic lymphocytes or CTLs are antigen specific, you will remember that they need a lot of time to mount their immune response because there's a there's several signals that they need to receive before they're fully activated and they have to proliferate. Uh, and this is where NK cells get the job done much quicker. NK cells, well, they're activated much faster, need, need not have any antigen specificity. So they are active during the early window of infection while the CTLs are still being activated and expanding. Okay, so you need the NK cells to, to hold off the infection until the CTLs can bring out the big guns and take out the pathogen in a, in a more antigen-specific manner. That is correct. All right, so later on in the process, then, what do NK cells do during that time? Do they just, like, leave? <laughs> like, chill, <laughs> chilling on the side. Yeah, no, the NK cells, they produce loads of cytokines, such as interferon gamma, which we have learned in the past supports antigen-presenting cells, uh, enhances macrophage phagocytosis, and can also affect T-cell activation and polarization. Uh, NK cells are also important recruiters of uh, other immune cells because they make many chemokines at the site of infection. So think of these as all the accessory roles that they are uh, playing in, on top of also killing infected cells. What a stereotypical innate <laughs> cell. These, these cells sound like they don't have a lot of variety, though. Like, like other innate cell populations seem to do a lot of different things, but they, they these seem very homogeneous oh well ash i'm gonna say this that is very incorrect because uh. <laughs> natural killer cells are quite heterogeneous and they have subpopulations but this heterogeneity is understudied we don't know whether the various populations of nk cells reflect their different maturation stages or is it reflecting their response phenotypes or if they are distinct polarization states of NK cells similar to what we have seen with T helper cells and cytotoxic T cells. However, uh, natural killer cells do have general similarities. So both mouse and human natural killer cells expressed FC receptors, an interleukin-2 receptor beta subunit, very important. Uh, they also express a set of receptors that are, well, obviously called NK receptors. Uh, these receptors are the receptors involved in NK cell targeting. Uh, there are many, many receptors, and these NK receptors can either inhibit or activate an NK cell. These cells seem pretty neat. Yes, they are. And do you want to hear something else cool about the natural killer cells? Um, yes, please. Uh, I told you before that NK cells kill tumors indiscriminately. But if you think about it, how does that make sense? There must be some way the NK cells tell the tumor apart from a healthy cell, right? Oh, well, yeah, obviously, I guess. Uh, otherwise, NK cells would just like killer normal cells. Yeah, this brings me to a proposed model of NK cell activity. Behold, the 
missing self hypothesis. This hypothesis states that there is a cell surface molecule that present that is present on all of our healthy normal cells that inhibits the NK cells, preventing the death of the cell. Oh, like like a like a I'm a friend signal, like a like a this is me, <laughs> kill me. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly like that. And viruses and bacteria and tumors can actually take advantage of this fact to evade the NK cell response. Oh, interesting. Wait. Wait, is one of these cell surface proteins MHC class 1? Yes, that is correct. The MHC class 1 is one such protein. Uh, ex- uh, well, cells that express MHC1, they inhibit the NK cell's response to that particular cell. So we have talked about how viruses and tumors can decrease the expression of MHC class 1 to prevent the presentation of antigens to T cells, a mechanism that helps these uh, pathogens evade a T-cell response. However, without expression of the inhibitory MHC class 1, the NK cells can flag these cells as non-cells. So, you oh, know... Oh, I see. It's like, a, it's like a fail-safe mechanism. I see. So, like, so when the viruses uh, reduce MHC class 1, they don't get killed by CTLs, but they do get killed by NK cells. But if they do the opposite... They're kind of risking getting killed by CTLs, probably then too. Yeah. So oh. yeah, we got we got covered both ways. Now, in reality, things aren't this simple. It actually appears that just the absence of an inhibitory signal may not be sufficient to induce the NK cell to kill. This brings us to a modified version of the missing self model. Behold, the balanced signals model. Well, according, <laughs> according to this model, it is the balance of inhibitory versus the activated sig- signal inputs from the NK receptors that determines the decision to kill or not. Oh, okay. So this hypothesis suggests that the decision of an NK cell to kill a specific cell or to leave it alone primarily depends on like the sum of the activating and inhibitory signals within the NK cell. That is true. And uh, Ash, do you remember something similar happens in neurons? Where there are competing competing signals that try to take the, uh, get the action potential across, like over the threshold or below the threshold. And then they have like an uh, activating and inhibitory receptors. Yeah, 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 right. So yeah, it seems like similar concept, but a different cell type and a different outcome. Oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. Okay, so I've decided these cells are just the coolest. Um, <laughs> Takes very little for... to change your mind. <laughs> it, it does. I'm a I'm a, a fickle person. <laughs> I'm realizing that they're incredibly intricate. I guess, the, and the intricacies just it interests me. Mm-hmm. I guess I should have recognized that they were so intricate when I was when I was reading about all the various types of NK receptors that there are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. You said receptors, so uh, looks like there's a lot of these receptors, are they? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, there are generally two categories, like we talked about. There's inhibiting and there's activating receptors. Um, so both groups of receptors tend to bind protein ligands on the surface of other cells. So ligands that will bind to inhibitory receptors on NK cells are essentially a red light saying, you know, don't kill me. I'm, I'm a friend. 
signaling through this inhibitory receptor that inhibits the NK cell response, which prevents it from killing the cell expressing the ligand. So most of these receptors bind to the ligand MHC class 1 like we talked about. And uh, MHC1 identifies the cell as self to the NK cell, and the NK cell leaves it alone, right? Right. So we then we have the activating receptors as part of the balance you were talking about. So the ligands, the ligands that activate receptors are like a green light for the NK cell, not a green light for for the cell expressing it, because you know the cell expressing this this activating receptor ligand will die probably <laughs> and and so the intracellular signals that are caused by the activating receptor binding to a ligand on a target cell promotes nk cell activity and killing of the cell expressing the ligand oh and how are these activating and inhibitory receptors different <sighs> okay so that's a hard one uh so because activating and inhibitory receptors they can look so similar structurally on the NK cell surface. Uh, but remember, it's a membrane-bound receptor. So there's an extracellular domain that binds to extracellular signals such as ligands on the surface of other cells. But there's a portion of the receptor within the cell that relays the signal to other intracellular proteins. The biggest difference between activating and inhibitory receptors are within the intracellular domains of those receptors. The intracellular portion of the receptor determines whether uh, the NK cell uses and, and goes through, I guess, an activating signaling cascade or an inhibitory signaling cascade. And both of these things can be happening simultaneously. It's just the balance between them, according to the current hypothesis, the balance between them that determines the NK cell's final outcome. Okay. So if I'm understanding this correctly, the intracellular part is actually what differentially leads to activation or inhibition. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the extracellular part of the receptor has to be, you know, different enough to bind the different ligands, but structurally they're very similar. Um, and the different, differing intracellular signaling domains really determine what pathway the receptor signals through and the overall activity of the NK cells. So generally, the intracellular sequences of NK cells that lead to activation of those cells are called ITAMs or I-T-A-M, plural, <laughs> which stands for immunoreceptor tyrosine-based activation motif. <laughs> oh, so we have actually talked about these in our T-cell and B-cell activation episodes. And I would bet that the intracellular sequences that are inhibitory would be then ITEMs for immunoreceptor tyrosine-based inhibitory motifs. Exactly, yeah. There's a lot of conservation between the cell types of these of these domains. Now, there are many different kinds of NK cell receptors uh, with unique structures and ligands and intracellular signaling domains, and we're not going to cover all of it today. NK cell experts could probably talk your ear <laughs> off about all the different types, um, but I will give you the overall gist of it. And, and tell you kind of the most prom, prom, uh, uh, the ones that are most prominent within the literature. Um, so the most prominent inhibitory NK receptor family in humans is the killer cell immunoglobulin-like receptors, or KIRs. 
which are not found in rodents. So KIRs are human-specific, or at least primate-specific. Um, rodents instead have a different family of receptors that do this very similar, if not the same thing as KIRs. And this is the uh, family of Ly49, LY49 receptors. Uh, the Ly49 proteins are not found in humans, but found in rodents. So both KIRs and Ly49 proteins are inhibitory, and they bind to different MHC class 1 proteins. And remember, plain old NK cells are not T cells or B cells, and they do not go through allelic exclusion, so there could be multiple alleles of each KIR or Ly49 receptor. Oh gosh, okay, I'm scared to ask for details, but yeah, what about the activating receptors? Luckily, activating receptors are slightly more straightforward because they're pretty similar between mice and humans. Okay, I think that makes sense. So, because what would be considered self and would bind to inhibitory receptors could be very different between uh, rodents and primates. While the abnormal proteins that bind to activating receptors like the host or uh, pathogen proteins that are upregulated during infection would could be similar between species, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that does make sense. So let's talk about one example. A major family of activating receptors in both species is the NKG2 family, which stands for the very clever name, Natural Killer Group 2. <laughs> one ligand for NKG2 receptors is the non-polymorphic MHC class 1 molecules. So these are molecules that arise during cell stress or infection, and they're not associated with a beta-2 micro microglobulin like other um, normal MHC class 1 molecules are associated with it. Um, so this kind of changes the structure and allows NKG2 receptors to recognize these molecules, and it's an activating receptor, so it will then activate the NK cell towards the cell that has cell stress and is expressing these molecules. And as a final note, um, on like the on the activating receptor side, I guess it's not quite as simple as I said, but NK cells also express the FC receptors, which as we talked about, mediate antibody-dependent cell-mediated cytotoxicity or ADCC. And so if you remember, we discussed ADCC when we went over antibody effector functions in episode 24. Oh, I remember that. You called it ACDC. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that really funny? <laughs> well, uh, thinking back on it later, it, it shook me all night long. <laughs> I shoot to thrill. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, let's get back to science. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, well, now we know how NK cells are activated. We also haven't even talked about how they carry out their functions. So we've mentioned before how NK cells are the innate counterpart to CTLs. Well, that's because NK cells kill their targets very similarly to CTLs, if not nearly identical. The NK cells have perforin and granzymes that are held in granules within the cytoplasm. When they identify a target through these NK receptors and, and the balance goes to an activation signal, NK cells form an organized synapse at the NK cell target cell contact point. Then NK cells degranulate and release perforin and granzymes in the direction of the target cell. That does sound remarkably similar to CTL function. Yeah, and perforin and granzyme work the same way when they're released from the NK cells as they do when they're released by CTLs. 
And NK cells also express FAST ligand, which will induce, induce cell death in cells expressing FAST. So are NK cells also regulated similar to how CTLs are? Uh, because like CTLs, I can imagine that inappropriate T uh, NK cell killing could be very bad for the organism. Yeah, yeah. So these cells do need to be licensed before they can drive. Uh, the licensing process basically makes sure that NK cells won't be activated by self-MHC1 so that there won't be any uh, self non you know normal cell killing after that the nk cells though are free to move about the tissues and find a target okay one last question do nk cells have any sort of memory like the lymphocyte populations so i would have said no until recently um, but i guess studies from the mid to late 2000s should suggest that nk cells do in fact generate a memory response so they can increase their numbers and lifespans to improve a secondary response against the same pathogen. And they've, they've actually been shown to retain memory of virus responses in both mice and humans. Oh, you know, if they, if they have memory, it makes you wonder if it's appropriate to call them innate, because that is literally the whole definition of innate, that it should not have any memory and just spurs yeah. into action immediately. So it looks like they're also a little bit into the adaptive. Yeah, it's crazy. I think the more we learn about all immune cell types, it's like, oh, well, these are, you know, actually remarkably similar. Because I think if I'm not mistaken, maybe we should fact check this before we <laughs> publish it. But I think macrophages also have somewhat of a memory building um, mechanism. Yeah, I think I read about it, but I'll check before posting this. Also... Yeah. I remember, yeah, there, there is this term called trained immunity. I think it's used yeah. for natural killer cells as uh, natural killer cells showing memory, which is like it's not as the kind of great memory that T cells and B cells have, but it it's it's it still does get the job job done. Yeah, it does actually make you think about, um, you know, we I I always wonder how NK how T cells and B cells even evolved because it's such antigen specific machinery, like. It kind of makes sense then if you think that there's some sort of of intermediate of intermediate yeah yeah, yeah. right yeah. yeah no that makes a lot of sense and I think well I, we have had a, a very great discussion today don't you think Ash wait I'm not done <laughs> I need to tell you about a hybrid cell type what do you mean hybrid cell type a hybrid cell type the NKT cell oh my goodness what okay 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 I'll make this really brief. Essentially, there is a cell that possesses both qualities of NK cells and of T cells, and it's called the NKT cell. So like a T cell, it develops in the thymus and expresses a T cell receptor that can undergo gene rearrangements. But unlike a T cell, the TCR does not bind to MHC molecules and instead recognizes a glycolipid antigen that is presented on an MHC class 1-like molecule called CD1. And so this is not MHC class 1. It's a similar molecule that's called CD1. NKT cells also express the NK marker NK1.1. And so NKT cells do all sorts of stuff and can participate in responses by secreting cytokines to aid other cells, and also by directly targeting and killing cells, predominantly through the FAST-FAST ligand. 
So they are mostly involved in infection responses, uh, reacting to bacteria, glycolipids, and contributing also to antiviral responses, mostly through cytokine release. But they can also form responses against tumors uh, and similarly reacting to tumor-specific glycolipid glycolipids. So as far as we know, NKT cells are different from both NK cells and T cells in that though they do not form memory populations. But of course, we didn't think a lot of different cell types formed memory populations until recently. But according now to current understanding, they do not form a memory memory response. Okay, so the NKT cells wants to be both NK cell and T cell. And yeah. there's a lot of things that, well, uh, it, it's an interesting cell type. And I'm glad we discussed it today. Yeah, I I am too. I do think that uh, uh, it's a it's a lot, and there's a lot of you know specificities about NK cells, but uh, or I'm sorry, NKT cells, but uh, you know we we can't go over all of it, unfortunately. Not today, at least. Oh my gosh, that was a lot. Yeah, Ash, would you like to review of what we have talked about today? Okay, of course. In the last two episodes, because they're so similar, I'll go over both of them. So we talked about cytotoxic T lymphocytes, CTLs, and about NK cells. We learned that CTLs and NK cells both kill target cells through the perforant granzyme-mediated cell death and fast-fast ligand-mediated cell death, which induce apoptosis through caspases. CTLs target cells through MHC class 1 and can be divided into TC1 or TC2 subtypes similar to helper T cells. NK cells, they are a very heterogeneous population I've learned. Uh, they target cells that either bind to their activating receptors or fail to bind to their inhibitory receptors. Activating receptors such as NKG2 have intracellular ITAM domains that push the cell towards a killing response when activated by pathogens or damage-associated ligands on a target cell surface. Inhibiting receptors, such as KIRs in humans and uh, Li49 receptors in mice, they recognize self-MHC class 1 and prevent NK cells from killing healthy cells through their intracellular ITIM domains. And finally, there are a group of cells called NKT cells that are a hybrid of both NK cells and T cells. And they have some unique functions in anti-tumor and anti-pathogen responses. Honestly, though, NKT cells deserve a whole lot more than a three-minute introduction, and I'd really recommend reading about them. They're super cool cells. Thanks so much, Ash, for this summary. So what's next for us? Well, we will be back in 2024, but I think when we come back, I think we need to switch it up completely, like new year, new me. Ooh, are you thinking about studying systems instead of cells exactly and yeah we should obviously start with the largest organ then right yeah skin it is yeah and we should probably go into like the mucosa tube since they're both barrier tissues oh yeah talking about skin will be interesting because yeah it is the largest organ and there's tons of immune cells in the skin which should be obvious considering it's the your first barrier of defense yeah i'm excited Right. Uh, thanks, Ash, for this wonderful discussion today. For our audience, you can check us out uh, at antibodies.org if you are interested to know more about our blogs and podcasts there. If you have any questions or suggestions, 
you can email us at antibodies1 at gmail.com. With that, I'm your host, Jatin Sharma, signing off until we meet again. Bye-bye and Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Bye.